0: It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 7:50 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK.
1: And now, here's Walter. 7:07 on a Saturday morning, this is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape or in your home or whatever problem you have, frankly. Not any marital psychological problems here. We won't deal with that. But if you have other outdoor, indoor problems, you know, houseplants, bugs, creatures, lawns, any questions about that, we will be happy to answer it at 404-872-0750. We'll talk to Mark just a little bit. He came back to us. And uh, we'll talk about his sinkhole in just a sec. First, Joe and Tyrone joins us. Hey, Joe, good morning.
2: Good morning, Walter. I enjoy
3: listening to your show every morning. I'm in town. What you got? I've got some blackberry bushes, domestic blackberry bushes that I uh, planted about four years ago. And last Mm. year I found out that I was supposed to cut the old things off. Yeah. Um, I did that and had a pretty good crop, but I, I just was confused as to when I'm supposed to do it.
1: Mm, I did it the day before yesterday. (laughs) So sometime in late December, I guess. Uh, It's whenever you notice it. Frankly, you can start after the um, flowering and everything and the fruiting, I guess, is uh, harvesting is over. And so as soon as you have picked all the blackberries off of a vine, that part of the blackberry bush is going to die. And it doesn't do much of anything to feed the roots or do anything to make the blackberries stronger And so you can go out and just say, well, that's where the blackberries were on this long cane here, and get your clippers, clip it off, pull it out, put it on the compost pile, end of story. Or later in the year, like for me, I notice all the brown stems, easy to see in the wintertime, so I clipped them out and pulled them out on the compost pile. So anytime you feel like it, as long as you do it after the harvest.
3: Do you do anything with the newer vines coming out? Do you trim the leaders or anything you know, like that?
1: You know, I have done it either way. Sometimes they're long enough and pointed in the right direction on the wire arbor I have in the backyard that I just leave them to grow as long as they want to and sometimes when a couple are real close to each other, I'll tip them back. Just clip the tips off so they'll re-sprout and make a little thicker, dense uh, leaf canopy on it. Okay. I don't think <clears> there's <throat> a real answer for this you should do this then and this the other time. Do it like okay. you want to. Then nobody's going to complain about it in Tyrone, Georgia, Joe. So don't worry about how you do it.
3: If I do it wrong, the birds and the deer might complain.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. They'll be really mad at you. They're the only ones that will complain. Yeah.
3: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Joe, it's great talking to you. See you, man. See you. 404-872-0750. Get you in on Joe's place. Mark is in Athens, GA, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mark. Morning.
3: Hey, Walter, how are you doing today? all right. What
1: you got, Mark?
3: Well, I I live in a neighborhood that was developed about 25 years ago, and I've got a spot in my backyard that has sunk about three or four feet. Oh, man. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, uh, based on what I've been told by some of my neighbors, the developer buried a bunch of trees and stumps and roots and that kind of thing. I'm trying to figure out the best way to fix it. Should I just put dirt on top of what's there or... Do I need to dig it up and and have yeah, all the,
1: the stuff ladder, removed? The ladder. It's more trouble. It's more money. But it's the only way to fix it. Somebody's got to get in there with a little front-end loader or something that can dig into that hole, get all the debris, the stumps, the logs that are right at the bottom of it. Whatever's in there has got to come out because if you don't, you can put dirt on top of it for another 10 years. It'll continue to sink down a little bit every year. And because rainwater will accumulate in the low place, it won't grow much of anything. <laughs> Nothing likes to grow in soggy soil. And it just looks weird in the yard. So Mark looks at his wallet and says, well, I can afford this. And you call whoever in the landscape business in Athens specializes. And some of them will specializes, specialize in sinkhole repair. Bring them on out and say, here it is. Go for it.
3: Should I backfill with gravel or dirt?
1: Most of the time, it's this particular size of gravel. It's Oh, man, I can't remember what the name of the gravel size is. They, they'll fill the bottom of it up until it's about 12 inches from the soil surface with gravel. Real They'll compact it real good, too, by the way. They'll compact it nicely and then put topsoil on top of that, so you don't have to fill the whole thing with, with topsoil, just the top 12 inches or so.
3: Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate your advice.
1: Sorry about the expense, but it really is the only way to work in did you say four feet deep, Mark? Yeah, it's about that. Yeah. Gee, Willikers, what are they burying there, man? Stumps. Well, yeah, that's what it was. Stumps.
3: And it's a pretty long area too, mm-hmm. so it's about a twenty foot by uh, eight foot wide yeah. area. So there must be a lot of stuff buried down
1: there. Yeah, dig it up and bring a roll off trailer in there and dump it all into that or a truck, one or the other, and they'll take it away from you. So that's that's the story. Morning Glory, you got to dig it up and put the gravel and dirt back in. Thank you, sir. you Have been a great Martin. day. Thank you, sir. We'll see you soon. Who who comes up next year? Why did the builders do that? That's the dumbest thing in the world. And it, what, Was it 50 years ago? It was everywhere. That is how houses were built. They would have a trash pit in the front or sometimes in the back, both places, and the trash pit would decompose over the next 10 or 15 years and sink, 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 sink down. And how the builders ever thought they could get away with it, the, the homeowner wouldn't know, but they're gone 10 or 15 years later. The builder says, hey, man, not my problem anymore. It's yours. Sinclair in Douglasville. Yes, good morning. Hey, Sinclair, good morning. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's possible
4: to plant a sugar apple in uh, Douglasville.
1: Uh, sugar apple is a tropical plant, is it not, Sinclair? Yes, Yes, it is. Well, I'm trying to remember. What is the scientific name of sugar apple, can you remember, Sinclair? I do not know the real science name, the Latin name. No,
4: no the Latin name or, or, or biological, I don't know.
1: It won't grow. <laughs> Could you it, are- it To the chase right here in Douglasville, Georgia? No, it will not. It is too tropical there. And, uh, well, you I want you to
4: create uh, uh, a greenhouse.
1: Oh, now, now we're talking. That's a very expensive sugar apple fruit you're going to be able to harvest with that big greenhouse around it. But if you want to do it, that is possible. Certainly possible.
4: Just I to talking about three individual plants and in in the winter time create the greenhouse and in the yeah. summer you can just take Yeah.
1: The- yeah, I understand. But during the wintertime, you have to make sure the greenhouse is sturdy enough for wind and rain and everything we get in the wintertime, snow sometimes. And also that it doesn't leak. That's the real place where heat escapes from a greenhouse is leakage. And so for a temporary structure that you put on and take off, leakage is really important to really find a way to seal it up real nicely so you do not get any problems with the, uh, with the leakage causing, the, causing it to be too expensive to really have the greenhouse there.
2: Oh. So it
4: not be prohibitive to plant a sugar apple there then?
1: Well, you know, money talks, Sinclair. Money talks. Oh. <laughs> How much money do you have? You can do it. You can do it. They did no, it in France. No. In the Kings no, of France. I, just wanted to, I wanted to have the plant possible, uh,
4: available, and I'm going to figure it out. I know in the winter time it might. I think.
1: I think in your case, you're going to go to one of the uh, farmers' markets or someplace—not the neighborhood farmers' market, but the international farmer market on Buford Highway has everything in the world there. They have you know the Russian section and the Portuguese section and the uh, uh, what the uh, Honduran section. They just have every section in the world and have different foodstuffs from that, that part of the world. So I would say go to one of the international farmer's markets on Buford Highway, or maybe there's one somewhere in Douglasville, and ask there about the sugar apples. It's a lot cheaper than a greenhouse.
4: Well, I've been to the farmer's market. I only remember seeing it once ever in a farmer's market.
1: Yeah, not at the little bitty, I say little bitty, not the ones where have booths and little tents and stuff like that. This would be one of the, uh, the big, uh, nice farmer's no- markets. One yeah, indicator. like the one in Exactly. That one might be a, a good place to start, sure. Uh,
4: like I said, I've only seen it one time.
1: And well uh, now, you, one now, time. now you know. By the way, uh, Sinclair, Ashley, smart person that she is, looked up what is the scientific name of the sugar apple plant? It is Anona squamosa. Uh, okay. Justin knew that. Oh, Justin it seems to be just as smart person that he is. Justin Ovey looked it up. Anona Scuomo, so That's what it is. All right. Okay, All right, Sinclair, is that it? Yep. All right. Good luck. We'll see you soon. It's uh Bob's turn. Bob's out of Woodstock joins us. Hey Bob. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Um hey, you're I need you to help
3: bail me out. I we bought a house in Woodstock in April and I moved from Florida to Georgia to yeah. be with grandkids and so forth. The backyard has a lot of dark or beautiful green moss growing into the fescue lawn yeah and i was wondering how to get rid of that and also i have one of those we call it a sinkhole Mm -hmm. i'm on the top of a mountain kind of thing big sinkhole like you were talking about where i guess when they built the houses they dug deep holes Mm -hmm. and it's been filled with uh pieces of trees i I had seven trees cut down. They were
1: too mm. close to the house. Well, that's so kind of I'm good. struggling. Let's do the moss first, Bob. So okay. you said you described it as beautiful green moss. So is there some reason you don't want to have the moss? This is obviously likes growing in your backyard, and the fescue doesn't uh, like growing in your yard. Oh, no, it's kind of displacing the grass. So you want, you're convinced that you want fescue? Yes. Okay. Um, How much sunshine does it get now? How many hours during the day does the area get each day? Probably very little. Uh, Bob moss is really going to grow nicely there, and fescue is going to never grow well. Not enough light. It's just not enough light. If you have four to five hours of direct sunshine during the day, fescue will do fine. Generally, it'll be pretty good at overtaking the moss and weeds and things like that. But if you... Try growing fescue in very little sunshine, as you described it just now, Bob, hardly a chance. Wow. Okay. So either more trees get to be taken down, possibly, or you satisfy yourself with the moss, or you learn to use plants that like to grow in little light. Um, there's There's a little ground cover we have here, Bob, not in Florida so much, but a ground cover we call Mondo grass. And if you go around to friends in Woodstock and say, did anybody have a little patch of weedy Mondo grass that you want to get rid of? Some people don't like it in their lawn because it looks a little deeper green than Bermuda does. And they might let you dig it up. And you can take Mondo grass, Bob. It'll look a lot like a grassy lawn, M-O-N-D-O, Mondo grass, and install that in your backyard. And that would give you the look of fescue, but the ability to grow in shade. If you want some details, Bob, go to my website, walterreeves.com one word in the search line m-o-n-d-o give you all the details about growing it it's seven we'll be back after this
0: this is scott slade host of atlanta's morning news on news 95 5 at am 750 wsb we'll be covering breaking news Kirk mellish weather and traffic red alerts through the weekend and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing monday morning when you head back to work news 95 5 at am 750 wsb now back to walter reeves the lawn and garden advice you need
1: Doors music there, some uh, sound effects in the background, a little rain going on. Justin, yes, it is. Today the weather report is not all that exciting, particularly the clouds remain for pretty much throughout the day. The overnight low, let's see, get it here, is 60 degrees today during the day, 49 overnight. Tomorrow showers in the morning, 70% chance throughout the day. High of 57, low of 44. Tomorrow, Brad Nitz will have your full forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Susan, or just from Decatur. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, Susan. what talk. you got?
5: Well, I I um have I've, I've done this for several people. I've bought, I've bought them daffodils or uh, bulbs for. like a birthday or something yeah so i bought a a
6: friend a daffodil
7: and i
5: was going to put them in for
7: her
6: but it's been raining every weekend and i want to get them in but i don't want to be digging around in the mud (laughs) and um how late can i get them i mean they're they're sitting there in her
5: garage
6: it's little cool but um how late can i get them in and, and i'll just Come
1: up later, right? Yeah, I planted them in February before. They come up fine. They're later, yeah. They bloom at a different time than other daffodils, but all your neighbors are pretty impressed that you know how to do that. <laughs> so you can wait till late if you want to. If you want to plant now, you could add uh, expanded slate, the stuff that you use to increase the tillage and soil. Permatil is one brand name. And you can get Permatil, let's see, in Decatur, I would call up to the Pike on Tocco Hill that's close to you. Call the Ace Hardware on Scott Boulevard, two places. You might be able to find Permatil if you want it to plant right okay. now or you simply wait till it dries out a little bit.
5: Okay, I so, you know, I'll just wait until it dries out. Okay, so I just, I'm just curious.
1: get I would news say news. as late as you care to. I've had them as late as said, daffodils, was it tulips, tulips. Um, when was it two, three years ago now, we had some tulips or like we, my neighbor Missy had some tulips that she found in her garage in March. we planted them in March and the tulips bloomed in May and they looked just fine. <laughs> they really did. They looked fine. They were just out of season. They bloomed in May. They was a little shorter maybe than they normally would be. but they did fine. Ironelle in Peachtree City joins us. Hey Ironelle, good morning. Good morning, hey. oh
5: Knowledgeable One. It's been quite some time since we talked <laughs> about my wisteria takeover. But oh, today's no. call is, I've been fighting it. Today's call is um, about paper whites. You know, uh, they I got my December issue yeah. of, of a Southern magazine.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, the gardener in there said that they're a one-shot thing, that you can't replant them. They won't bloom again.
1: Were you speaking of the grumpy gardener Steve Bender from Southern, well, yes. Southern Living yes. Magazine? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, well, Steve's right. <laughs> They're yeah. a one-time bloomer. Don't be doing anything with paper whites. Once in a while, I have planted them, and once in a while, our i They'll come back and bloom and smell real nicely, but it's a crapshoot. And frankly, it's a losing crapshoot. Usually 80% chance of failure, 20% chance of them coming back. They're just not suited for Georgia's soil conditions and weather in the summer.
5: Okay. Well, I just wondered if, you know, I mean, where do they come from if they won't reproduce?
1: Turkey. Turkey. They love Turkey. Uh Um, So, in other parts of the world, paper whites are perfectly suited for the wintertime, it's dry and cold, they can take some cold, but the dry in the wintertime is a key factor for a lot of bulbs, tulips in particular, that's another reason why tulips don't do so well in Georgia, Uh, we're wet, or wetter than they like in the summertime, and the wintertime wet and chilly soil makes tulips not come back very well either, just like the paper whites.
5: Okay. Well, I appreciate the information. I just thought, well, was he just being grumpy, or (laughs) is there more to it? I said, I've been three days sitting on this question wanting to talk to you, but thank you so much for your information, and uh, have a happy new year.
1: Ironell. one more thing. Have you read Uh Steve's book, The Grumpy Gardener's Guide to Gardening?
5: No, I didn't know he had
1: one. Oh, Honey Bunch, you will love that book. He is the <laughs> funniest, funniest guy in the whole wide world. Steve Bender is his last name. The Grumpy Gardener is the tagline by which he writes for the Southern Southern Living Magazine and in Birmingham, Alabama. And so if you want a funny gardening book with a lot of great information, Steve is, like me, based in science and research but tempered with a little bit of experience. And so Steve Bender has written a great book, and the Grumpy Gardener's Guide to Gardening is uh, worth your while to order and read and give to other people for a gift. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news. 7:35 on a Saturday morning. It's 49 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. You just ask me. I give you advice based in science and research, not just my own little, little opinion. This is based in real science, delivered in a way that you and I both can understand it. Down where the goats can get it, as my mother said, we'll make it information and make the information entertaining and hopefully helpful to help you do whatever you want to do in your landscape or inside your house with your plants. We've got Bob at Sandy Springs, who evidently wants to have a peach tree, but he isn't performing like it ought to. What you got, Bob?
2: Well, about three years ago, I purchased a mail-order uh, fruit cocktail tree, as they called it. Oh, yeah. Sure. What, it flourished well. Um, the last two years, the peach did not survive the uh, freeze, like a lot of other peach trees in Georgia. Yeah. But this past year, the end of the year, it developed this powdered sugar coating all over the trunk and after the first bifurcation up on one half of the tree. And mm. um, anything that uh, on that side was kind of wilting and dying. Wondered what it was.
1: I remember in 11th grade, Bob, being very proud of myself for learning what the word bifurcation meant. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> I'm a
2: physician, so that's what that's my
1: definition. I, I love the definition of bifurcation where it splits for the rest of us in the world, or where the trunk splits on your peach tree, but it has this powder sugar coating on the trunk. And Bob, you know what lichens are, right? Maybe? Lichens are this like gray stuff, but it's not usually Described as powdered sugar Ly- lichens are usually described as scaly or some, some little bushy things growing on the trunk of a tree But usually not no, this
2: was this was no this was absolutely if you took your finger and and scraped it It was just like powder and it was Snow white
1: huh. Now, what could that be? What could that be there are during the summertime aphids? Sometimes will be on trees and plants and they shed their skins pretty readily and when aphids shed their skin, that looks a little bit like powdered sugar, but not in the wintertime. No no aphids in this cold weather. Um, powdery mildew, much the same in the summertime. Powdery mildew has a very powdered sugar, gray, dusty coating that coats leaves usually, not usually the trunk of trees. So I don't think it's a powdery mildew. It doesn't sound like that. But the powdered sugar coating, nothing is coming to mind as my... Diagnostics are kicking in here a little bit. Nothing comes to mind, mm-hmm. Bob, but mm-hmm. always, as you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I would love to get a couple of pictures of your peach tree trunk, just so I can take a closer look at it, give an idea of how much of the trunk is involved and the specifics of how the how the stuff is situated on the trunk. If it's only on one side, all the way around. A lot of things can be gotten from just seeing a picture. And on my website, I have a button that you can press It says upload anything you want Walter to diagnose or name that plant is what it's really called. But I'll name that plant. You can put anything you want to there. And uh, so take some pictures, Bob. Get your phone, take some pictures, upload them onto my website, and I'll take a look at it.
2: And what we did was actually, <laughs> we, we, as, you, as I would describe it, we amputated that side. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so far, the remaining side uh, hasn't gotten any powdered sugar going up it. So mm-hmm. I think, I think we, this coming spring, hopefully we'll have blooms and peaches this year.
1: So, like one of your patients might have done, you just went ahead and did the, the, did the <laughs> diagnosis and the cure for it, and then called me afterwards and said, What's wrong with this, doc? Why is my child?
2: No diagnosis, but definitely a treatment. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> Bob, next time when the powdery stuff comes back, then we want pictures. Then we want pictures. I will. I will do it. Thank you. All right. Watch out for those bifurcations, Bob. You never know where they'll take you. Let's go to Elaine in Lilburn. Hey, Elaine. Good morning. Welcome to the Lonely Good morning.
8: Garden. Good morning. How are you today?
1: I'm doing fine, Elaine. What's I up? Have,
8: I have uh, a quick one and then another. Uh, I have two.
1: Okay. Number in one. In my
8: backyard, is kind of just natural that I, I let the leaves stay in my flower bed. And I'm uh-huh. wondering, Pro or Con, is it good just to let the leaves Stay kind of like as a ground Mm -hmm. cover Or should I go ahead and get my neighbor's uh, Rick under his pine tree And put those needles down Instead Hmm. of letting the leaves stay in the back
1: In my flower bed Sometimes it depends on the thickness Number one, if you had just bunches and bunches of leaves That just covered over every plant In your flower bed That's a little too much for me It gets slimy and wet and soggy We've talked about how bad that is for plants in the winter And so, thick layer I wouldn't take it off until it's not a layer an inch thick is probably fine over the ground and not anything over any green leaves that might be existing in the flower bed. So it depends on the thickness of your leaf layer. Um, Sometimes it depends on the plants themselves. Some plants don't seem to like being covered. My Shasta daisy do not like being covered with anything. They have a little green rosette on the ground and so I leave that alone with no covering around it at all. Some plants would like to be mulched around, like um, hosta and daylilies and things that mulch around them and don't put a lot of leaves on top of them. Okay. Mm, So, Elaine, it's sort of like it depends. It depends. Not a thick layer, though. That's the one thing I know not to be good. Okay.
8: And then my second question is... um, I think we're having the battle of the zorishes. <laughs> um, I
1: have
8: a, I have a thin blade. My neighbor has a thicker blade, yeah. and right at the property line, I've been wondering over the years who's going to grass is going to creep into the other Mm. lawn and it looks like their grass is coming into mine. Mm. And of course I prefer mine. Of course. So I've been wondering what do I do? Should I just go out there and start when I see the runners coming in? I've even been considering, should I just dig along the property line and make a little border or a little flower bed or something? Um, I just don't want it to come and creep all the way over. And I've seen it as far as about, in one section, about four feet over into my yard.
1: The passive-aggressive, I'm very familiar (laughs) with the passive-aggressive approach to relationships. And so, Elaine, the passive-aggressive approach would be to fertilize your side more vigorously than they fertilize their side. Uh, Mm -hmm. Give your grass a little more oomph to get out there and fight. If you don't care to do that, and I don't want you to over-fertilize your Zorgia, it wouldn't be good for that but kill your Zorgia. but you could, yeah, I think the only other solution is to go out and dig and get the runners from from their yard and throw it back in their yard, put it in the corner underneath the shrubbery or someplace that it doesn't do any damage. Um, I mean, if you want the actively aggressive way of dealing with it, you get some Roundup and go out there and just spray a line on the property line. Roundup right there, kill everything right on the property line. So it depends on your own psychological makeup, I suppose.
8: Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate listening to you, and I got all kinds of books. And I still wanted to, to at least call and ask you those two questions. So Any, any um,
1: Saturday morning, the phone lines are yours, Elaine. Uh, thank you very much. Happy New Year. You bet. We'll see you soon. Happy New Year to you. Back to the phones we go. Oh, in a few minutes, we'll talk to Sharon and Roswell about her rose rosette. I do want to talk to Sharon about that. Jan in Millersville has a chase tree that needs to be moved. What are we going to do about that? But right now, Phyllis is in Hampton. has a vegetable garden question. Hey, Phyllis. Good morning. Hey. Hi. Hey,
7: Walter. Happy New Year to you Thank and your you, staff. Fellas. Thank you for being there. You could have gone on vacation, done a replay no. of your show, but you are here. No, there.
1: I'm a trooper. Also, I am here, fellas, and I'll be here next weekend, you- New Year weekend, the whole time. I'm here.
7: Cool, and want you to know you are genuinely appreciated as my go-to expert for my gardening needs. Now, here's my question. Um, I bought my home in Hampton about 20 years ago, Uh, lived in Atlanta proper, but moved here, and it's fantastic. The owner, the previous owner, had an established vegetable garden. I would say it's about 100 square feet, um, which I did not pay attention to. It has since become overgrown with privet, you know, and other growth. Yeah. Uh, it has been periodically sprayed with Roundup over the years. Mm-hmm. I want to create an organic hmm. vegetable garden for
1: 2019.
7: Okay. So once I bush hog and do everything else, do I need to go to my county extension service for soil tests? What would you recommend, please,
1: sir? How, how big did you say it was, Phyllis? How big is this garden area? About,
7: about 100 square feet. That's not it's terribly big. It's not large.
1: Not large, large, but it's also larger than some, smaller than others. All right. Well, it's just you taking care of it. Is that correct? It's you so I'd the... say
7: about 10 by 10. Okay. And, um, and it has gone fallow over the years. Mm. When I moved here, I was not interested in vegetable gardening. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. Uh, and, you know. And over the years, you know, it, it, the... Privet, you know, the the wild birds, you know, oh, yeah. have you know, dropped the privet seeds, you know, and I've got privet, I've got this, I've got that.
1: All right, well, let's get and, into how we're going to do the garden. I just have a couple of minutes here, so I want to be sure okay. you get all the questions answered. Cool. Number one, you, um, obviously, you're going to pull all the remaining weeds, privet, anything else you don't want in the vegetable garden, pull it out this uh, winter. And, hey, the ground is soft right now, so that's an easy job to accomplish. Uh, Number two, even though I know you say Roundup has been applied, in a strict sense, it would not qualify as an organic garden because you have certain rules for how long ago the chemical has to be applied in order for it to be completely decomposed, completely out of the soil. And so technically you would not be able to have an organic garden for another couple of years. Practically, though, Roundup decomposes in the soil real quickly. It is a very polar molecule. It breaks apart in the soil. It's considered non, um, doesn't do anything, non-harmful to plants or weeds or anything else after it's hit the soil surface. And so, I personally would have no problem in planting in a garden that hasn't had Roundup sprayed on it within um, the last six months. Should be completely gone by this point. As far as soil testing, though, you can't test for the presence of the herbicide in the soil. That's too complicated and too, frankly, expensive to get done. But you can do a soil test for the nutrients in the soil, and that's a fabulous thing to do right now. The Henry County Extension Office will be happy to see you trotting in there with a bag of dirt, and you say, test this. How much? What's the pH of the soil? How much phosphorus does it have? Does it need to be uh, limes? Does it need some more calcium or magnesium or something like that? And that's this is the perfect time to do that before the planting season begins.
7: Thank you. Thank you for being awesome. You're wonderful. I will I do this. Stop,
1: Phyllis. Stop, 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 stop. I did not give you <laughs> I did not give you enough money to say all that. You can start with just the awesome part.
7: You are definitely awesome. Thank you, sir. Take care and again happy New Year. You bet. Thank,
1: thanks for calling, Phyllis. If you need some details, by the way, listeners, uh, if you want details on how to have soil tested by your local University of Georgia Laboratory, the soil test system they have for both homeowners and for agricultural people, too. Go to georgiasoiltest.com. It's a page that I set up just for people who want to know why soil testing is important, what you get out of it, how much it costs, how to contact your local extension office. georgiasoiltest.com. At 7.48, we'll be back after this.
0: This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves.
5: Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Brighter than a lucky
1: I don't think we're going to have too many rainbows today. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, clouds most of the day. Not a very inspiring day to be around. Today, the high will be, let's see, 60 degrees to March overnight, I should say, 49 degrees. Tomorrow, showers in the morning, 70% chance throughout the day. High of 57, low of 54. And Brad will be back to give us our full weekend forecast in 10 minutes. At six fifty, at seven fifty-three, let's go to Sharon in Roswell. Hi, Sharon. Good morning.
6: Good morning, Walter. Hi. Um, I'm going to ditto what Phyllis said. You're, you're our go-to man.
1: Did I pay you? I don't remember paying you as much as I paid Phyllis. Now, Sharon, uh, if uh, send me a bill, send me a bill. <laughs> I will indeed. <laughs> How can I help?
6: Well, I uh, had a, a disastrous year and a half ago of. Uh, the rosette disease on my Ah, hybrid teas wiped out all but one. And I have been told that I can never plant there again with, with roses
1: Mm -hmm.
6: or I can plant within a year or possibly within five years. Yeah. And I miss my hybrid teas. Is there any possibility I can plant this year?
1: If you did a pretty good job at removing all of the infected roses with the rose rosette virus, and you're pretty sure there are not any rose pieces that were left that could sprout that are still infected with the virus on them, if you're pretty sure, then Sharon, bring out the credit card, go to Pike, and get you some hybrid teas, and plant them. It takes, I think, at least a year to have a pretty good idea of what, whether you left anything in the, in the moving process when you ripped them out. So if you think you have did a good job with that, you know if you like the roses, go ahead and plant them. If, if you see a little sprout coming up in the ground, even then, if you see a little sprout that looks like it came from your other rose, I would pull it out and I'd still leave the ones in that you have and see if the virus gets uh, transmitted to them. It might not. It might not.
6: Well, so there's a little hope.
1: There is a little hope. I think you're. I, I would err on the on the side of. I like roses. Let's plant some roses. I would not wait another year or five oh. years. My gosh, it's too long.
6: <laughs> that's that's good news.
1: Yeah, and, and one
6: other thing. I um, I had a, a tree guy out here, and he told me I had two little bushes of nandina. Mm-hmm. And then I looked on the internet, and it says, "Oh, there are no." It, 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 they had the word bamboo in it.
1: Oh. Yeah, no, it's just because they call it heavenly bamboo. It's not a bamboo plant at all. Nandina is a, well, Nandina is Nandina.
6: Oh, so it's okay?
1: I, there are those who consider Nandina to be sort of invasive. Sometimes it has the pretty red berries, of course, in the, in the wintertime. And yeah. so I have a sort of a love-hate relationship. I like it on the edge of my property where it screens me from the guy behind me. On the other hand, it can get a little obstreperous and get some little sprouts and seedlings in places where I did not want the Nandina to grow, but I can dig those out pretty easily, pull them out when they're small. So I can control it pretty easily. I don't have any problem with planting Nandina. I don't. And oh, the okay. smaller ones, the dwarf ones that are used for uh, for uh, ornament, that are only a foot or so tall. They don't have many berries, but they're very colorful and they're sterile, and so they don't do much invasive at all, and they're pretty plants.
6: Yeah, this is little, and I and I didn't know I even had it until yeah. the berries showed up. Okay,
1: said, so it's oh, you've got the...
6: nandina, and I went, oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, well, you didn't know that till the birds came by and then planted <laughs> you some nandina voluntarily. Right, right. So I don't think I'd worry about it too much, Sharon. Pull them out if you like. If you don't like them, leave them. In if you do like them, it's okay with me. If you don't want them to propagate themselves, pull the berries off and use them for decoration and throw them away without letting the birds eat them, you, you get to make the decision. It's 757 at Newstalk WSB, our phone number 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news.